Hola, this is Lorena Junco Margain, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be on your way. Today on On My Way, friends gather around the table to share their stories of immigration and how that journey has made them the women they are today. When we had to move to the United States, it's it was in a four-day, you know, it was a quick move due to violence in in Mexico and the family being targeted. So our lines were tapped, and I remember my sister-in-law and I would call Lulu like as if it was Morse code, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, um, living, and Lulu is like, what are you talking about? And then she's kind of started getting it and you truly paved the way for all our family. We found the homes thanks to you, oh, thank doctors, you. schools. You were truly the the source. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was funny because I was I was a little bit scared when I talked to her and I, I was almost saying, capiche, capiche, <laughs> bro, bro, your dad. And, <laughs> bye. You know, this one's house at this corner because I didn't want to give out any oh information gosh. about you guys moving to Austin. I was so scared. And then you just said, I'm so glad we're moving to Austin. Oh. And I was like, what? I you mean, said the word. You said the word. And I've been having every, every time I talked, I asked Phil, did I say anything wrong? I mean, I was like, really aware of my words. And that was really funny when she she just, you know, you know how she is. She's really, I'm so happy I'm moving to Austin. And, it's like, and, and okay. I think that the beauty is that you became friends, close friends to my parents as well. Yes. My father adores Phil. He's a, uh, uh, and my brother too. So you became like family to us. And yes. And thank you. And they were very, very kind to me in very special and, and just just I just don't have enough words for my experience how they've been with me how they open their arms and and their love and I think it's important to add that in this group every person has their own story but um we have some similarities on being brought up in different countries or different cultures or influence from like a, a dominant or married to a dominant culture. Could you tell me a little bit, Elizabeth, a little bit about you? What's your journey, your relationship with your Lebanese heritage, and then Lulu and how you grew up and what brought you to the United States? Uni, same, Renu and I, we're all immigrants. So I think it's very... Interesting to listen to your perspective. Yeah. So I am not an immigrant, but um, my grandmother is. She um, she is from Lebanon, and 
We always say that she she basically had an arranged marriage. So she married my grandfather, who is 25 years older. He went to Lebanon. She was 17. They lied and said she was 18 to bring her across. And she moved here actually to Lockhart, just outside of Austin. And she didn't know anybody. She didn't know the language. And this is my mother's um, parents. And so... That was a big part of us knowing her journey, both of their journey, the hardships that they encountered to create a better life for themselves, for their children. The Lebanese culture is is a huge part of my life. I did not grow up close to my grandmother, but I was very close to her. And interesting enough, I actually ended up marrying a Lebanese man. And I had never dated a Lebanese man or, you know, really grew up in this culture. So I grew up in a small town. There was never anybody from Lebanon where I grew up. So this was um, a wonderful, wonderful um, coincidence that I ended up meeting this person, marrying him. His parents are actually grew up in Lebanon. So this part of my story continued to evolve once I got married. And I've learned so much more about the Lebanese culture from my in-laws. And um, so it's it's a huge, huge part of our lives. And we're very proud of that. You know, I want to continue to make sure that the sacrifices that my grandparents made, my, my in-laws made, that it's not lost on my children because I worry that they will not understand the sacrifices that so many people have had um, being immigrants. So I'm very proud of, of my culture. And we've talked about this before. My mother says it all the time, but that the Lebanese and the Mexicans, there's lots of, lots of similarities. And so... Um, Same with the Indians. Indians yes. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about my story. Yes. How about you, Uni? Well... I was born in um, Nicaragua, and my maternal grandparents, my grandfather was Palestinian, so you throw that into the mix, and then we moved to the States. My family moved to the States when I was seven. Um, there was a, a revolution that was starting in Nicaragua in the late 70s when the Sandinistas overthrew the government, and we had to leave the country. My father served on the board of the, I guess, the National Bank, and, and you know, it would not have been safe for him to stay. And so we came to the States and sought political asylum. And it took quite a long time for, so the asylum was granted and then became, eventually became permanent residents and, and citizens. But that process was painstaking. It was very long, very expensive. And since then, uh, you know, we are now able to go back to Nicaragua. We always preserved uh, the, the Nicaraguan, the Latin American influence in our, in our household was, you know, we grew up sp speaking both English and Spanish at home. Um, thankfully, I'm, you know, my brother and I are both fluent in Spanish. Uh, my kids are both fluent in Spanish. It's very important that they, you know, that we preserve that, that aspect of our, of my background and of their background. If you ask my daughter, my youngest, who is now 12 and was born in Austin, she says she's Nika. And so <laughs> she, uh, you know, she just loves it. Likewise, the Palestinian influence brought in to my family from my maternal grandfather 
also very, very prevalent in our in our family even today. He passed away well before I was born and, and my mom was a teenager. But that but that, you know, he definitely made his mark. You know, we we grew up with with that being very influential in our lives and and so I I the older I get the more I appreciate the multifaceted background that I have. Uh, it, I'm always fascinated to learn uh, from people from other cultures and other countries. I love to travel. I love to experience those things. And and I'm so grateful that my parents made so many sacrifices to, I mean, very similar to Lorena. We had to up and leave our home uh, when we, you know, on very short notice uh, because the country was becoming very dangerous. Uh, my parents didn't know English. My dad traveled quite a bit for work, but he always had a translator with him. My mom always traveled for fun. And so, you know, they, it wasn't as important back then, I guess, to learn these languages. And there weren't as many opportunities to learn these languages, even though uh, they were both very educated, both lawyers, and my dad also a banker. And so when we moved here, I was their translator. Uh, I was seven and, and I was the only one fluent in English. I was fortunate enough to go to the American school in Nicaragua. And so I spoke English and Spanish both fluently. And so when we moved, my parents decided that they, you know, obviously needed to immerse themselves fully to learn the language. And so they enrolled in the University of Louisville. We moved to Kentucky, of all places, and they enrolled in the University of Louisville really to so that they could learn English. And um, they were there for a couple of years, and uh, both of them love to read, and they credit uh, their love of books uh, with their incredible capacity for English. Now, I mean, they're they have a thick accent, but but their vocabulary, I would put it up against anybody's. Wow! And so, and then just their knowledge in general about everything. They're you know they're just so well read. But they both you know became com- completely immersed in the language and learned it, and you know made a life for themselves and for us here very successfully. So. I'm very proud of of our background, and I love telling it and sharing it with other people because, as Lorena and I have talked about, oftentimes you hear so much about a different kind of hardship associated with immigrants and how, you know, immigrants leave their home um, and they come and become, you you sometimes hear the, the negatives about the immigrant community and and how they you know are a drain on government resources and how you know they they bring bad things to the US well you know there that's not entirely the case there there's so much good that comes from immigrants and and so much richness that they bring with them that's something that we all should embrace and I'm so happy to be a part of that yes i agree Lulu, could you share with us how is it you ended up living in the United States? Yes. I met Phil, my husband, in, uh, in Monterrey. He's American. Is that where you're from? I'm from Monterrey, like you. I grew up there. All my family is there, and I'm the only one here living in the United States. So he was, he was there visiting a friend that he met in his um, master's degree program. We met, we dated, 
He's from Texas. He brought me here. But he's a person that does everything by the book. He has to follow the rules. It had to be very legal. So before we plan our, our honeymoon, we went to the embassy and we went to consult, you know, and see if we could enter the United States with a fiancé visa and then leave the United States and come back. So we tried to get uh, gather as much information as we could because he wants to do everything right. So the only way to get a fiancé visa to enter United States is going to, you have to go to El Paso. I don't know if, it's, if they still do it the same way. I'm not aware of that, but um, I have to travel to El Paso. My dad op was totally opposed to do this. Uh, he wanted me to be married by the law and by the church in Monterrey, and that's it. So it was a struggle just to leave my family that way and to get married in the United States. So you go to, I went to El Paso. It, it was a horrible experience. <laughs> uh, even, even I have to get um, medical tests done. Uh, and they were not, I, I couldn't even tell my mother what this doctor kind of wanted to see me. It was very, I don't know. The whole process wasn't nice, but we were doing things, you know, by the book. So when I was getting my visa stamped, she said, and then you have to cancel your honeymoon because you, once you enter United States, you have to marry within a month or so, and you cannot leave United States until you get your, your green card. So we have two weeks before. I mean, even if we gathered all this information, we went to the embassy twice. All this, we, we lost the money of our honeymoon, we were gonna go to the South Pacific. So we ended up staying in Mexico, traveled around Mexico, which was fine. But but if you do things like the book, it really, it takes a toll. Um, and and I did it and I, that's, that's why I'm here. And it took a little while adapting just because how we greet each other, we kiss each other. Uh, I wanted to hug people, <laughs> and they were like, "What are you doing?" And uh, even when I started, I studied English in Atlanta when I was 17, and I was there for eight months. I lived with a family, and at the high school and junior year, I was kissing everyone, "Hello, hello, hello," and and I knew people don't do that, but we have a tendency to to get closer and hug people, but. But I'm happy I'm here with learning the I'm still I'm still learning the difference after so many years living here. And I embrace them and I I love this place. I I love Austin. And I'm American now, a proud one too. So and but very proud of my roots and my family too. So I as well my kids speak both languages. I make them to speak to me in Spanish or and keep our, our values and traditions as much as, as I can. Yes. That's wonderful. And Renu, I know you have a fascinating story <laughs> on how, yeah. what, what brought you here to the U.S. Yeah, my story is a rather unusual. 
the immigration story goes all the way back to my parents when in there when they were nine, ten years old. They were caught up in the when India became independent from the British in 1947. My parents became refugees, so they came from. Um, they were not married, of course. They fled, you know, overnight. We've heard all the stories. They literally fled with nothing, just their pajamas, overnight to the refugee camps in India. Uh, my dad was about 12 years old, and my mother must have been about 10 at that time, not married, of course. After that, my father, you know, grew up, went to school. He went on to join the United Nations. And then that was our second immigration, I guess you could call it. When I was about nine years old, we we left India my whole family and we've not, I've not lived no you know my my immediate family none of us have lived in India since then and we moved to Bangkok Thailand uh, which is one of the main United Nations offices and then after that my parents moved to Switzerland I went to school in England and then I met my husband in Switzerland he was finishing his PhD at the uh, CERN the the High Energy Nuclear Re uh, Physics Center in in Switzerland got married and then I immigrated with him to America after we got married some almost 38 years ago. But I think what's what's interesting in, in all, I mean, it's very different from all, you know, all of your stories because we, we came to, we left India, you know, you know, a lot of my father was already in a very successful position at that time. But I feel so much that I am, when I go to India, I'm a stranger. When I'm in America, I'm a stranger. No matter where I go in the world, I'm a, I'm, I'm a foreigner. And that is, I think, the gift of my family to me. In my family, do you know we have more than 12 different nationalities? We have every religion represented because now the kids have gone on and married. I have a sister who lives in South... Uh, they, they, she married and moved to Botswana, which is a country just above South Africa. I have a sister who lives in London. My parents live in Switzerland. I live in America. And my brother also lives in Switzerland. But for me, the, you know... I went to American schools from the age of nine onwards, international schools, uh, American international schools. And then I went to study in England. But my journey back to my roots actually was when I was in my 30s and I began my studies of the ancient Vedic Indian art and science of healing, and which included all the subjects that I've studied. So in some ways, you know, my parents are now in the West and all their kids have gone back. All my siblings did the same. We've gone back to India and dug up and went back and studied Sanskrit and the ancient languages and the ancient culture and the ancient, um, well, I study astrology, Ayurveda, the medical system, yoga. So that's, it's a, you know, we are a, a kind of a unique family. We still, we meet a lot. We all travel except for COVID. Everybody's <laughs> always flying everywhere. So we meet many times a year uh, in different countries. So we have, I have family members in every continent except for Australia. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. And Renu, are you comfortable sharing how your husband was part of a royal family and you were shunned? <laughs> oh, wow. That's Indians for you. Yeah, it's a great story, actually. I met my husband in, in I had got, I had just come back from England. I was very young, 22 years old, married at 23 and I just come back from England, having finished my undergraduate, and I was working in Switzerland, in Geneva, Switzerland. And my mother's best friend met a lady on a traffic light 
started talking. This is destiny, you guys. This is there is no. She just started talking because you know Indians talk to each other, and then invited her to a New Year's Eve party the next day. And I met my husband. My husband was finishing his PhD in at CERN, in which is on the border of France and and, and Geneva and Switzerland. And uh, I met him. You know, we decided, fell in love, wanted to get married. But my husband comes from a. Um, Oh gosh! In all Indians, any Indian listening to this will know this. We are very. Um, there's a lot of, we, you know, in, Indian families are incredibly close to each other, just like Mexicans and Lebanese. But I think even you, as from the Lebanese culture, will understand when you marriage becomes a huge big issue. I don't know, Lulu, for you marrying an American, but in Indian families, we were not from the same region and class and everything else. Since he was from a Royal Indian family, you can call it that. And uh, so there was a very, very big fuss, and well, it, it didn't go down very well. They, you know, we literally got married on one day notice in, in Switzerland, in Geneva. His mother never spoke to us again. Uh, some terrible things happen. You know, families are very close, but I think sometimes they can be very closed down in our cultures. All of you can relate to that, I think, right? Yes. Yes, All of you I can relate that. to what I'm saying. So, uh, but, you know, we've been married now 39 years this year. And, uh, you know, so one side of the family doesn't speak to us. How's that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I understand my dad yeah. didn't want to meet Phil for the longest time. I just don't want to meet him because he yeah. knew yeah. he wasn't from Monterrey. And he lived in Mexico City for a while, so he had this accent And when he was talking in Spanish. So he just didn't want to meet him. He just, And it was very hard to accept uh, the fact that I was going to leave Mexico and I was going to leave somewhere else, for my dad especially. Yeah, and I think it is good to talk in the honest terms when we, you know, we all of us come from cultures where family is paramount and mm -hmm. it's it's... You know, we wake up in the morning and we think about family and we go to sleep and we think about that. But <laughs> but we still, there are discriminations. What I've seen in my own family, my, my parents were very progressive. But again, I think it's where they were at the time. But I've seen the next generation, like my nieces and nephews now, get, you know, getting married. And it's it's been very um, much more open. But at that time, you know, it was, you know, this was, you know, close to 40 years ago. And um, his family was not was not happy him marrying me. So there we go. <laughs> That's fascinating. So we were disinherited, just so you know. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Well, he was. Small detail. He was. <laughs> so I want to share with you that I was full on fear. I was paralyzed. I thought I was going to die, not going to make it. I had this desperate moment to tell my kids who I was in case I didn't have the chance to see them grow up. So I started putting reinforcement positive quotes all around the house. I started collecting heavily on art, art that told my story. I changed, you know, the pots and pans. And I don't know, it's like when having a baby and you're nesting. It's exactly that way, but me living. And I knew if I did that, it was a win-win because worst case scenario, it was all set 
And, you know, if everything went right, I think anyway, I had made a beautiful nest for the kids and something to tell them more about me. So three days ago, this poster, I have it next coincidentally to the painting that will be the front cover of On My Way to Casa Lotus. Three days ago at school, Father Ken started reading a quote and Lorenita suddenly jumped out of her chair when running into the breakfast room and, you know, unhangs this poster and, and he shows it to the classroom and she says, my mom has had this for four years in our breakfast room. And I'm like, my mind was in the right place. And I want to share this with you because I would like this to be what sets the tone for all the introspection that will be going on around. We will talk about death. We will talk about fear, about your body failing, but your spirit getting stronger or, or not, about depression and about sometimes just thinking that if you disappear, you will just not be a burden for everyone. So this reminds me what we should all be and um, I'll share it with you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You're playing small, does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Junco Margain. We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaHuncoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph O'Keen, audio and video editor Scott Caro, and our special guest featured in season one, including Renu Namjashi. Mm-hmm.